0: I think there are three locations to think about when we're talking about Jesus Christ on earth and significant areas and that we would actually, in our minds, geographically go to. The first one would be the the, the Garden of Gethsemane. If you can remember that particular place, I really believe that's where Jesus died, died to himself. He said, there's not my will, but thine, O Lord. And so Gethsemane is really significant because I think there is going to be times in our own life that we get to the place where we say, Lord, not my will, but thine. I don't want it this way, Lord, but if it's your will, I'll give in. And Jesus came to that place. He was broken in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it wasn't just there. It was also Golgotha. It's an area that we would think about as significant to many people. We call it the place of the skull. We sing about it, Mount Calvary. We talk about it, how we have there's the old rugged cross on Mount Calvary. And we think about that particular scenario. Jesus Christ was mocked. He was already scourged. He was already bloodied. He was already humiliated. They, they pulled his beard out. They spit in his face. They pulled his hair out. He didn't even look like a human being up on the cross. The worst hate crime ever in history was Jesus Christ on Golgotha. It is a significant place. Gethsemane needed to happen before Golgotha could happen, and Jesus Christ then said it is finished. Important words also. I think it's tetelestai and the Greek language, it means in an account, the transaction that's been completed. Because when he took his last breath on the cross at Golgotha, that was it. He died. But then there was another place that's significant, and that's Galilee. So you'd have Gethsemane and Golgotha and Galilee. You can remember these areas. I've never been there. I'd like to go someday and see these places. And if I don't get to go while I'm in this particular condition... I'm still in the pre-raptured state, but someday I may be in my glorified body, so I'd be able to see those places. But Galilee is pretty interesting because he told them, I'll meet you there. I'm not going to stay in the grave, by the way, and how weak their faith was, those of little faith. And sometimes we get on them because of that little faith. But I say to you that your faith is pretty small too because you've been pouting lately about things not going your way you haven't been happy, you haven't been the kind of Christian you should be because you thought things were going to go a different way. You see, people are looking for something to be disgruntled about today. It might be a relationship that they can actually then allow their hearts to do whatever it wants to because the other person made them mad or made them bad. By the way, you make decisions on your own. You are who you are because you chose to be who you are. And remember this, too, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to the place where he was uh, there with his disciples. And I think that there's a lot to be said about the Lord after the resurrection. But I want to zero in on the resurrection. I want to go back in time to a great preacher called Hyman Appleman, one of the great preachers, Russ Darling. I believe his uncle preached with Hyman Appleman, and Russ Darling was a member here. But he wrote these words, "...on Christ's resurrection, the authenticity of the Bible stands or falls." The Old Testament predicted it. Christ witnessed it. The disciples testified concerning it. Paul the Apostle preached it. Christ's resurrection is the infallible proof of his deity. It proved him to be the Son of God. It proved all his claims regarding himself. It shows that God accepted him and his work. Christ's resurrection is the ground of our standing, the certainty of our state. It gives the assurance of eternal life. It shows the believers are fully justified. It gives the saints an accepted intercessor. And it secures the resurrection of those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What an excellent statement. Because everything's in there. Because Jesus Christ lives, we will live too. Those that have gone before us are in the tomb this morning. They're in the grave. And here in our country, for some reason, we bury them. All around the world it's different in different places. But we bury people here. Usually put a little cross over their place where they were buried. Or we put then a, maybe a rock or maybe a, a little bit of a granite to, to tell who it was. But I know that there's going to be a resurrection because of Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb. I think it's interesting, too, because there's so much in the Scripture, several irrefutable claims from Scripture that helps us build our faith. The first thing is this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that this morning? It's interesting because the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, "...concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh." He declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. Salvation, of course, is complete, and his sacrifice was accepted. I used the word earlier that the Greeks used for the area of complete, the telestai. And that particular word tells that it was complete on Calvary. But not only was it complete, but it was accepted by the Father in heaven. He accepted it to be complete. The Bible says, of course, in Romans chapter 4, 23 through 25, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, speaking of Abraham, in the imputed righteousness, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who, who delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Let me just explain that. That the righteousness of Jesus Christ needs to be imputed unto you. Because no matter how many works you do, you'll never be able to be righteous. So he puts the righteousness unto us. He just doesn't necessarily make us righteous. He actually declares us righteous. So a person comes to the Lord Jesus and says, Father in heaven, would you forgive me and give me your son? You open your heart to Jesus Christ and you turn from your sin. The righteousness of Jesus Christ that is imputed unto you. It's not your work, it's the work of Calvary. So the heavens say this, Dean Howell is now declared righteous. You are declared righteous because of Christ, not because of your own doings. That's interesting because these are things that will build our faith. What else helps us? Believers can live holy lives. You know you can live right now a life that glorifies God. You don't have to live in the world you don't have to listen to the world's music. You don't have to drink the world's drink. You don't have to smoke pot and do drugs. You don't have to do that. You can live pure and clean today. You can live the way God wants you to live today. These are facts from the scriptures that will help build your faith. Yes. The Bible says really clearly that we can live holy lives. Romans 6.4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism, not water baptism, by spiritual baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Bible makes it really clear, folks. I think it's the intercessor of glory, of course. We have that intercessor. Jesus Christ is there to stand on my behalf and upon your behalf. The Bible says in Romans 8.34, Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting on his throne, but he is an advocate between you and the Father. And by the way, there is just one mediator between man and God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. No religion, no, no. you can't hold on to your religion. You need to hold on to Jesus Christ. He is the only one that will be able, able to save you. And he will one day come to judge the Bible says that. The Bible says in Acts seventeen thirty one, Because He hath appointed a day, in that which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, and whereof He hath given assurance unto all men, and that He hath raised him from the dead. There's one other thing, I believe, that the Bible teaches that is sure, and that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Romans 14, verse number 9 says this, "...for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living." It's interesting when we're talking about the dead because so many people have gone before us. You go to a funeral and you see a person laying there in front of you and you, you cry for them and you, and you bring them flowers and then you maybe give them an offering or something to help pay for all the things that are going on and you're concerned about the loved ones perhaps or the family. Let me tell you something. Give them flowers while they're alive. Talk to them while they're living because once they're dead, you could do nothing for them. They're gone. The time has run out. But you still have time. I have time. What do we do with the time that we have? The sands of the hourglass for you are winding down. And for me, every day is a gift for me. I realize at 60 years old that I'll be 61 in a couple of months. I never thought I'd make it this far. But God has been so good to me. It's been good to you. Remember this, dear friend, that you really don't even know for sure whether you have tomorrow. You may go home and lay down today and something might happen. You never know. So I think it's important for us to remember that it's appointed unto a man once to die and then the judgment. And do all you can do now for the Lord. Come to him. I, I want to be noted for my walk with Jesus. I don't want to be noted because I'm a Baptist. I don't want people to say, there's that Baptist. I want them to say, there's that godly man, there's that Christian. There's that person that actually has claimed Christ and that identified with Christ. It's interesting that you come on Resurrection Sunday because it is a special time. But let me just share, you the, share with you that the Bible teaches also from the scriptures that one day we will rise again. I will see my great-grandma again. I will see my grandmother again. I will see my grandpas again because of the resurrection. Makes It all changes because we believe in this. The Bible says that the dead will one day be raised. According to John chapter 5, verse 24 through 29, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Do you have a sense of condemnation today? Do you have this, like, Linus attitude that's a cloud over you and everywhere you go there's condemnation? Do you know that Jesus Christ came to take that away so that you can actually live a good life? and a peaceful life? The Bible goes on to say, But is passed from the death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all, that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Did you realize that the resurrection took place to, to handle the unclean spirits of this world? Do you think the unclean spirits were only there during Jesus' time? I'm telling you, there are unclean spirits in this room. I'm telling you that there are unclean spirits everywhere in this world, and we must seek the Lord to overcome, and he can. And he will give you the power by the blood of Jesus Christ you can overcome. Sir Robert Anderson, one of the great books they gave me when I graduated from college the first time, And I remember reading in part of that book concerning the resurrection, and Sir Robert Anderson wrote these words apart from the resurrection, the incarnation and the ministry would lose all their significance. The crucifixion would be but a martyrdom, and the cross a symbol of victory of death over life. By the resurrection, it was that the crucified one was declared to be the Son of God with power, the great truth on which the Christian's faith is founded and to which his hope is anchored that Christ died for our sins is the gospel of the Christian religion regarded as a human cult. The gospel of Christianity goes on to declare that he rose the third day according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 4. And to show the immeasurable importance of the added words, the Holy Spirit testifies that if Christ be not raised, Our faith is vain. We are yet in sins. The empty tomb and not the manger of Bethlehem is the earthly symbol of the great birth upon which Christianity is founded. And were it not for Bethlehem, there would be no Calvary because Jesus came and was born to die. But apart from the resurrection, Calvary were but a stupendous disaster of which the cross would be for all time the emblem. I'm so thankful that there was a resurrection. You come tonight and I'll show you five miracles that could not have just happened or a coincidence. I'll show you from the scriptures that these events took place. I want to quickly and finish up here in about seven or eight minutes, maybe 10 or maybe 15. (laughs) But I think it's important for us to understand that this is Resurrection Sunday. Let me just look at the text a little bit and draw some things. Look at verse number one. We're looking at Matthew chapter 28. In the beginning, or in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. By the way, if it confuses you, there there were four Marys, by the way, that were involved, and some of them. But these were all actually these were all mothers of the disciples. Of course, the mother of our Lord. Interesting because it is a day appointed, which is my first thought here, that there was a day appointed in in insignificant, the end of the Sabbath. So it was not yet the first day that they got up. I don't know how long they had to travel to go to the grave. I I got up this morning and went outside. I I did something last night. I actually plugged in my batteries. Uh, I have rechargeable batteries for our camper. Uh, We've got an older camper that we remodeled. And so this morning, I had, to, I had to get up about 4 o'clock this morning because I plugged him in last night and hooked them all up, and, and I forgot about him. And then I started thinking, has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, and you're saying, I wonder if I took care of that. I better get up and go take care of that. And then for some odd reason, there's that voice going, don't sleep. Don't even think about it until you take care of it. Thinking, you roll over, and you think, I'm just I'm hearing things, you know. And then a little while, it comes back to your mind. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. I'm like, who said that? Yeah. So I get up, and I walk out, and I look up at the beautiful, beautiful moon this morning at 4 o'clock. I just walked real slow to the barn. I walked in, and I saw that my, my charger that I bought, actually, when it gets charged fully, it just turns green and says, you're ready, you're good to go. There was no problem. I just unplugged it anyway, just to be safe. Because I had to go back up and try to sleep. But as I was looking and seeing the stars, and there was no wind this morning at 4.30, it was completely calm. I looked up toward the moon, and all I could think about was that passage of Scripture where it talks about the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. What a beautiful portion of Scripture that David wrote concerning the God of heaven. Oh, how we need to magnify his name. Because his glory is upon the earth. And all the things that we see and enjoy in the springtime is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll watch the lilies pretty soon come up and pop up. We'll watch those wonderful flowers that smell so sweet. I was thinking about these, and sometimes we can't have them because people are allergic to them. And some years, people would come in and they saw them, they walked right out and got their car, went away felt so bad i wanted them to come but because of the smell of these they break out with hives and different things and so no one complained this year so i ended up bringing them back in so if you have any complaints see my assistant pastor (laughs) and he'll take care of it next year there he is he put his thumb up praise the lord as it began to dawn it wouldn't be too long after 4.30 this morning, but pretty soon you'd just sight see a little bit of light. It's the dreadful sight when you're trying to get to your deer stand, and you should have been there already. <laughs> but it's the most beautiful sight for those women as they got up and they traveled and they walked and they talked. I can imagine they were almost like kin because they believed in the Messiah. Their boys were followers of Christ. Oh, they had so much in common. What a beautiful thing to know that it was the first day of the week. That's why we get together on Sunday. We don't get together on Saturday. If you do, I'm not going to chew on you or yell at you. But it's Sunday morning. What a blessing to see all of you this morning. And, and I got to cook a little bit. I, I actually delegated. I'm getting pretty good at it lately. Oh, my back hurts. Can you go ahead and do that? It was a day appointed in The Bible says, look at it it again, verse number one, in the end of the Sabbath that began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. What an incredible sight. The Bible says in verse number two, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. Then he sat upon it. What an incredible thing. The people present was not the world at all at once. Um, Some people would say that why didn't Jesus just make a loud noise and show the world that he was alive? Why was it almost like secret? Early in the morning as the ground trembled and the stone was rolled away and Jesus stood walked out of the grave alive, bodily. They couldn't find his body. If you talk to anybody and they talk to you about a spiritual resurrection, just smile at them and blink your eyes. (laughs) Because you know the truth. There's going to be a bodily resurrection someday. The tombs are going to split wide open. Just a powerful thought. Here the text tells us that there was Mary Magdalene was present and the other Mary, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. The Bible says in Matthew 27, verse number 56, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. That was Mary also. So there we see in Matthew chapter 27, we see three Marys. Is everybody called Mary? Seems like it. But they had a common bond, didn't they? And that holy fellowship, their hearts were knit together. And you become like that at times with people. Through the years, over the last 24 years, I've given my heart to so many people. My heart's all over the place. Done over 30-some weddings, done several funerals. I keep saying to myself, just let them walk all over you, Dean. Let them step on you so that they can get higher. Because my desire is not to be somebody My desire is to glorify the God of heaven, only to glorify him. I think it's important for us to remember that they rose up early in the morning because they had this common cause. It was the same affection that we have when we worship him in spirit and in truth. We want to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, dear Christian, if you've been born from above, you have a desire to draw closer to him. Nearer, my God, to thee. But let me just share with you that if you are no longer in the flesh but in Christ, you can't get any closer than being in Christ. You are near him because you are in him. It's interesting that our life is hid with Christ in God. And many times we forget this, that Jesus Christ has already gone before us in the heavens. And he is there, anchored for us. They had a common cause. They rose up early in the morning. They prepared spices For embalming, and they entered in, and all the obstacles were removed. And they did not find him. It's interesting if we were to look a little further, we see that the angel of the Lord was there. And the Bible says it in verse number two again, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. What an incredible He his cause to roll back the stone, and then to sit upon it. One of the commentators went on to say, Death was being upheaved, and all the bars of the sepulcher were beginning to burst when the king awoke from the sleep of death. He shook the world just by waking up. The bedchamber in which he rested for a little while trembled as a heavenly hero arose from his couch. And behold, there was a great earthquake, the Bible says, Nor was the king unattended in his rising, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. and It was not merely one of the angelic host, but some mighty presence, some mighty angel, the angel of the Lord who came to minister to him on the resurrection morning. Jesus was put in prison of a tomb as a hostage for his people. Therefore, he must not break out by himself, but the angelic sheriff's officer must bring the warrant for his deliverance and set the captive at liberty. And when the angel had rolled back the stone from the door, he sat upon it as if to defy the earth and hell, ever to roll it back again. That great stone seems to represent the sin of all Christ's people, which shut them up in prison It can never be laid again over the mouth of the sepulcher of any child of God because Christ has risen, and he has moved the stone away. And so you are free to be able to live the life that you want to live for Christ because the stone has rolled away, rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. Every burden of my heart rolled away. Remember that when you were kids? You used to do this kind of stuff, you know? We won't do deep and wide and all that, so don't worry or Father Abraham. My sins were rolled away with that stone. And the access to Jesus was given. What what an incredible picture. You can go in the tomb. You can see him. No, you can't. He's not there. He's alive. It's interesting as we think about this, because this was similar to that transfiguration, if you would, of Christ, as they saw the angel there up Sitting upon the stone, the Bible says that he was white and dressed in raiment. It says that his confidence was there. That he he, from a balcony seat was watching over what took place and what occurred. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes were like white as snow. Look what the Bible says in verse number three. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. I don't know about you, but if I saw that at a graveyard, I don't know what I'd do. I'm a chicken by nature. Maybe you are. But I'll tell you what, you close all the doors in this place sometimes during the night when I'm sitting there reading, and then I hear a door slam downstairs. Nobody's here but me. I get a little freaked out. I went down there and saw some person look like lightning. I'd be like, hi. I'd be out of there, man. And then they'd be saying, Pastor Howell has resigned. He checked himself into the VA. They have him in a straitjacket. Yeah. Wow. His countenance was like lightning. You ever look at lightning? It just flickers when it, you see it in the sky. Sometimes it comes together and there's like seven, eight, nine threads of it. Just That's what he looked like, wearing white clothes. Similar to the transfiguration. And then there was the guards, verse number four. Look what the Bible says with me. Look at your Bibles. And for fear of him... The keepers did shake and began to be as dead man. Yeah, i be faking like I was dead too. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. It took a great deal to alarm the Roman soldiers. They were taught all manner of terrors. But this angel's dashing, someone wrote... And the continuance, or the countenance, and snow-white raiment paralyzed them with fright until they swooned away and became like dead men. And he does not appear to have drawn a flaming sword or even to have spoken to the keepers, but the presence of perfect purity over all these rough soldiers. What terror will strike through the ungodly when all the host of angels shall descend and surround the throne of the reigning Christ on the last great day. How will you feel if you're left behind? I don't want to try to scare you into trusting Christ. I want to lead you into the presence of an almighty God who wants to save you and keep you from your condemnation. To save you from your sin. That's why Jesus Christ came, was to save you. And you sometimes think that you're nothing. You sometimes think that everybody else is more important than you. You sometimes go to your car and you weep because you think you're so insignificant. But Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And you can never love him back. Even if you were to live a thousand years, you could never love him back enough. Because he loves you just like you are. Why don't you come to him today? He'll clean you up. Oh, don't play games with God. He doesn't play games very well. You must come. By the way, he always wins. You must come humbly to him. The guards. Let's move on to the last point. Second to the last point. I'll make it my last point. Well, we'll just keep going. The method provided... It's brought out in verse number 5, and it says that the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not you, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He uses the word women here and the word ye in the King James. And by the way, you don't have to mess with the scriptures. They're already perfect. Don't waste your time. The word ye is because it's plural. He's talking to the women. If it would be you, then it's singular. And so if you look at the modern day translations, they're wrong. The one that you have in your pew there is the right one. Jesus, of course, was crucified. It mentions it here. The angel indicates the difference between the guards and the women by you or ye. A man once wrote a religious, to a religious editor and said, our preacher said that, East, that on Easter that Jesus was swooned on the cross and the disciples nursed him back to health. They were able to somehow resuscitate him. What do you think? And then he received the following letter. Beat your preacher up. Whip him with cat of nine tails 39 times heavily. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his side. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours and see if he's still alive. You see, Jesus was dead. He did die. He was breathless when he went into the tomb. The account was settled. Verse number six look at the Bible says, He is not here, for he is risen. He is risen. As he said, he told you he would rise. Come, see the place where they, the Lord lay. And I think it's interesting, it's basically past tense, because he's no longer there. It's like he told the man that locked into his eyes as he was at the pool of Bethesda, he, he said, what wilt thou? And he said, that thou would make me whole. So he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk, because guess what, you're not coming back here anymore. Jesus got up and he... Folded his garments and he walked out of the tomb alive. And so will your loved ones someday. And so will you. All those that believe in Jesus Christ will never die. We will sleep and for a second we'll take our last breath on this earth and the next breath will be into the celestial immediately. We're in the presence of the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear judgment. By the way, the Bible tells us that we ought to resist that spirit of fear. We ought to understand that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Do you know why people are losing their minds? Because they're afraid. Why would someone go in and shoot people? It's incredible. I heard about it three times this morning. I was looking through the, the news and I was seeing all of these people. Some, you know, there was just stuff I can't even repeat that is going on in the world, and, and people are doing all kinds of strange things. You know why? It's because they're afraid. Fear will drive you insane. That's why you ought to be in the Word of God. False evidence appearing real is what fear is. We think about these things. It helps us to remember that the account was settled. The tomb was empty according to the scriptures. This is where he was laying. He's no longer laying there. The empty tomb is proof that the price was paid full. The accounts were now clear. The Bible says by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae in chapter number two, he says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances, that was against us, that word ordinances, and not talking about any kind of sacraments or any kind of... It's talking about the sins like an accountant would do. How many sins have you committed? If you've committed one sin, then you've sinned against the Father. Just one sin you've committed one sin. You've, you've broken all of the Ten Commandments if you've committed one sin. Nobody is righteous. There is none righteous. Our mouths are stopped. But the Bible says, blotting out all all the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. A Jewish student had been attending the evangelistic meeting with Alfred H. Ackley, He asked Ackley, he says, why should I worship a dead Jew? The question ultimately prompted the writing of Ackley's great hymn. Many of us remember this particular hymn. It was said, by the way, uh, He Lives, we sang it this morning, Ackley said to the young Jewish student, he lives. I tell you, he is not dead, but lives here and now. Jesus is more alive today than ever before. I can prove it by my own experience, as well as the testimony of countless of thousands of people. On this Sunday morning, let's think about this. He lives. Written by Ackley. He lives. He lives Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. See, I'm having a hard time because I want to sing it. I reached over to, to Brother Tom and I said, can we sing he lives? Can we sing it? And he says, yeah, no problem. They changed. And they were able to sing that song. There's just something about this. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? Because he lives within my heart. I know he's alive. He gives me the power to get up every morning. He'll give the power to you to overcome your sin and your foolish decisions. Jesus Christ will give you the power to overcome them. That's why He lives. He lives for you and lives for me. Then the story was relayed quickly. I'm all done. Verse number seven go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. Remember that? Gethsemane, Golgotha, now Galilee. And there shall you see him, and lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. It's a mixture of things. Like The fear is not like I'm afraid I'm not going to do anything, but there's an incredible awe. It's like a holy awe that they had, and they began to run, and there was a joy involved with that. And they did run, bring it to his disciples' words. Can you imagine them saying, He's alive, he's alive? We went to the grave and he, it was empty. He's alive. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it's like they, they couldn't get it out. They were full of joy. This morning I pulled out my driveway. I was headed to the church and looked up the road. I could see my son's house, and at the end of the road, it's my father-in-law's house. And I thought, How blessed we are. But I just started saying, He's alive. He's alive. He is risen. He has risen. And by the way, he's still there on the throne on the right hand of the Father. And he's ready to come back. But until then, we must stay steadfast and continue to tell others about this wonderful story. Go quickly. Tell as many as you can that Jesus Christ is risen. H.A. Ironside, one of the great writers, wrote this. We are not preaching the gospel of a dead Christ, but of a living Christ who sits exalted at the Father's right hand and is living to save all who put their trust in him. That is why those of us who really know the gospel never have any crucifix around their churches or their homes. They'll have a cross, but it'll be empty. The crucifix represents the dead Christ hanging on that cross of shame but we are not pointing men to a dead Christ. We are preaching a living Christ, that he lives, exalted, at God's right hand. He saves to the uttermost all those who come to him. I must tell you that it it is a personal approach. You must do this personally. You can't pay a priest to do it for you. You can't rest in what your mom and dad have done but you can go to him personally. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25, it tells us that we have what, all we have to do is come unto him. We have established the fact that he can save us. And now we see that if we come to him, he will save us. The Bible says in John 6, 37, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise cast out. What a wonderful story of the resurrection. Another song, I don't have time to read about it, but what a beautiful song. You'll recognize it, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that biddest me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Personal approach, but also in a personal acceptance. The gospel should be understood and accepted. Jesus paid it all. I've been doing a lot of posting on social media about the Civil War. Been posting a lot about the First World War and the Second World War and other wars that we have had. Tomorrow morning will be an anniversary for me. It was April 18th, 1983 that I was parked outside of the American Embassy in Beirut, Lebanon. And for some reason, Captain Martin came out and said, let's go, Howl. and I started up the Jeep and I drove away. Ten to 15 minutes later, the American Embassy was blown up right where I was. The Lord allowed me to come home. We couldn't find one of my friends, found part of him. For some reason, God allowed me to come home and raise four sons. I'm telling you that I did have a little chat with that man, and he did accept Christ as his Savior when he was younger. I'll see him again. But I read this story, and it was so intriguing. At the time of the Civil War, there was a band organized outlaws in the Midwest called the Quantrells. They were called the Quantrells Raiders. They would sweep down upon unsuspected communities in the frontier and they would rob and they would burn the villages and then they would ride away with all that they would take from them. The situation became so so desperate that some people in Kansas formed a militia group to search for the desperados. They had orders to execute without delay any of the raiders that they found. Not long afterward, a group of these men were captured in Iowa. A long trench was dug and they were lined up and hands tied behind their back and their eyes were bandaged over so they were blindfolded and then a firing squad was formed and suddenly a young man rushed out of the bulrush crying, wait, wait, covered by guns of fire squad. He approached the officer's command, Major Whittle, He pointed to a man who was waiting to be shot, and he said, Take his blindfold off. Let him go free. I know him. He has a wife and babies. He needs to go home. Let me take his place. It was an extraordinary appeal. But the the stranger insisted that it not be denied. After a long consultation, the officers came back and decided to grant the request They cut the ropes off the hands of the one that was bound. They unblindfolded him, and they took the volunteer in his place. The shots rang, and he fell dead. Later, the redeemed man came back to that awful scene and that death, and he uncovered the grave of that young man, found the body of his friend, and he put it on the back of his mule and took it home to a cemetery in Kansas City where he was given a proper burial, At the time, he marked the grave with a rude wooden slab. And later, however, the grateful man erected a 15 foot marble monument inscribed with the words sacred to the memory of Willie Lee. He took my place in the line. He died for me. What an incredible picture of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. He took our place. We'll never experience hell because Jesus already experienced it for us. We, we won't be condemned for our sin because all the sin of mankind was laid upon Jesus Christ that night. As he died and he cried out to the Father, it wasn't just a physical torment, it was an emotional, psychological, spiritual crushing that Jesus Christ experienced. Physical part, I believe he had already died at the Garden of Gethsemane to self. Whatever you do to my body doesn't matter because I've already given myself. You know why he did that? Perfect Savior. Oh, Lamb of God. Impeccable. Beautiful Jesus. Sinless. Took all of sin of mankind upon himself so that we could experience salvation through Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? And by the way, if you have, you're always there with him. Oh, you might go your way, but you'll live a short life. Let me tell you something. I know I'm going to get in trouble for it, but you can do whatever you want to, but you're probably going to have to see a counselor the rest of your life. You can go ahead and live the way you want to, but you may be on medication the rest of your life. You can go ahead and go against the grain all you want to, but you'll have troubles the rest of your life. You're striving for the most wonderful, beautiful, abundant life. And the only way you can have it is through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And he will free you up here and in here so that you can help others do what's right. Do you love him that much today to say he's my savior? Every head bowed and every eye closed. He loves you. But maybe you even thought that Christianity was a religion. It's not. It's a relationship with Jesus. God's been calling you since you were born. Every year in the springtime, the birds sing. You understand it was Jesus saying, I'm alive. The grass turns green. How does all that happen? And why does it happen? To show that there is a God. But maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor Howell, I want Jesus in my life. God is calling you. It's so simple. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to do all kinds of things. Jesus did it all for you. All he's looking for you to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner. I've sinned against you, Lord. Would you save me? Come into my life and save me. He'll save you instantaneously. Right now. You can walk through the door and enter into his presence by humbling your heart. Maybe you've never done that, but today would be the day that you would do that. I won't point you out, but I want you to raise your hand just for a moment. Say, Pastor, I've never received Jesus, but I'd like to. Would you pray for me? Just lift up your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Lift it up, put it back down again. Anyone this morning? Maybe you're born again, but you haven't been living the way you should. You don't have to talk to me about it. Go to God. This is an old-fashioned altar. And what's interesting about our church is that we still do things the old-fashioned way. We have an altar call, and if you need to come and kneel down at an old-fashioned altar, you're welcome to do that this morning. It's called the anxious bench. You don't have to wait till you get home. You can do it now. You can come and kneel down and talk to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. Maybe it's for baptism, or maybe it's for to join our church. Whatever it is, the Lord has led you. Why don't you come? Say, here I am. I'm going to pray in just a moment. If I could have you, Elaine, can you come on over and play the piano? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the attention of the people. A lot of them that are here this morning, Father, are Born again, they've trusted you as Lord and Savior. They came on Easter because they wanted their hearts to be strengthened and encouraged. And Lord, I can't do that, but you can. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to work this morning. We ask that you would help us in the invitation, Lord, that you would guide and that you would be able to work in the hearts of those that have been here. And Father, if there's somebody here that has not received you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would draw them and that they would listen to you, and that they would come in Jesus' name. Amen.